What's up guys, I'm Daniel Logan, Boba Fett from Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and The Clone Wars. You are listening to Call the Portion Podcast. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Hello and welcome back to the Quarter Portion Podcast, the only Star Wars podcast that lets the Wookiee win. I am Christy Hoog and I'm joined again by my co-host Patrick Fletcher. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. That's a good one. I didn't. We didn't talk about that one before the show. I like that. It's getting harder <laughs> to think of these things, I gotta say. It's been two and a half years. I'm starting to think we've used all the best ones so far, but we'll see. Oh, there's a lot more we can dig up. <laughs> dig really deep sometimes so yeah now from now on I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try and surprise you with them that exact kind of reaction yeah i like that one how's life on the forest moon of ontario it's pretty good right now um it's the nights are getting colder up here that's for sure the leaves are all starting to change so it's definitely looking like fall up here uh, already eh? oh yeah like if there you get still have green leaves in london yeah, like there's a few starting to turn, but like we had this sort of dip into like fall weather and then it turned all humid and crap again. So it's like, really? what the hell's going on? Yeah. All the birch trees up here are all starting to turn, uh, all starting to turn uh, yellow. Normally I kind of hate the idea of frost and whatnot, but I'm really ready for plants to die and stop my allergies. Yeah, we haven't had frost up here yet, but it's it probably within the next two weeks. Uh, that That's good old the, Canadian uh, weather talk, eh? Hey man, this is the north. The real north. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're in the true. You're in the, you're, you're beyond the wall. Yeah, we are. Well, at the very least, we're last hearth for sure. Last hearth, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite beyond the wall in, in none of it. But now that we've got the weather talk out of the way, <laughs> little uh, little delightful regional humor for our uh, international listeners to enjoy. London Comic Con coming up on October 5th and 6th. We'll be there all weekend. So if uh, for those of you in the southwestern Ontario region, come on by. Um, there's a lot of guests. No Star Wars folks this year, unfortunately. But uh, we are going to be doing a panel on Saturday, October 5th at 3.35 p.m. on the second stage upstairs. We're pretty excited about our topic, actually. Uh, we're going to be talking about villains in Star Wars. I'm looking forward to that one, man. I thought that was a great topic. I kind of had a writer's block trying to think of what what to present as a topic and then you were kind of like trying to explain our love for villains and why Star Wars villains are so maybe not likable but so adored in the Star Wars but like likable as much as as villains can be right like it's it's something I wanted to talk about for a while honestly because I you know in recent years been thinking more and more about it like you know we idolize some of these guys or certain people idolize some of these characters yeah for sure just with the world being what it is right now and <laughs> just like do yeah. i f- like am i really okay liking the empire or first order in any way like even if it's just like aesthetically well, it's not that you the like ships? the empire it's specific characters within it i think it i think it transcends the empire itself the characters themselves yeah so this has been something i wanted to talk about on the show we've never got around to doing it yet and i figured hey this is a good opportunity and kind of publicly sage my own guilt <laughs> as it were and uh yeah we'll have a couple special guests too uh, yeah jay's gonna be here from uh, nerdful things which will be uh, it'll be nice to reconnect with him for myself anyway who else we got we'll also have uh amy who has been on the show recently uh for the our episode about anakin was on our last panel at forest city comic-con and is one of the three player characters on our new role play 
show within a show. It's gonna be a fun. Uh, it's gonna be a fun day. I'm like looking forward to. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll have a booth as well, uh, so you can swing by if you're at the con. We, sh- I believe, we're supposed to be located near the 501st, so just look for the Star Wars characters, and uh, we should be nearby. You won't be able to miss the 501st, that's for sure. No, you definitely can't miss them or the Rebel Legion when they're around. <laughs> I'm hoping to see our friends from the 5th Deep Core Army as well, the Mandalorian mm-hmm. chapter of Kitchener, I believe. You're fantastic. And should be next door to our friends from Nerdle Things, uh, Jay and Greg, as well. So be sure to check them out as well. So yeah, that will be uh, our next sort of topic. But today, uh, there's been some news about The Mandalorian I wanted to chat to you about. You've been uh, more up-to-date on this than I have as of late. What do you got? Well, there was recently a uh, story in, in Entertainment Weekly which gave us even more details than we got at D23. Uh, I won't go over everything because some of it gets into kind of speculation territory or... I try not to over-speculate too much, but uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to kind of touch on. So, so yeah, there was actually a lot of cool images that came out for the article, of course. Uh, looks like uh, our, our Mandalorian friend will upgrade and change his armor, more or less, over the course of the series. And actually, one of the really? things they, they did mention is that he's not taking his mask off. Like, I don't know if that means, like, we'll never see his face, but, like, yeah, there were basically comments from Filoni and or Favreau saying he he won't be taking his mask off. So I don't that know if that makes sense. He'll never way. show his face throughout the course of the first season anyway, but... Uh, that kind of makes sense in a way. It does. It's also kind of disappointing because Pedro Pascal is such a great actor, like, to have him behind the mask the entire time. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one, 100%. That, it doesn't surprise me um, that that's the case. I, it, I do agree with you, though. I, I think that if you don't count the prequels, I mean, if it were just going off of the original trilogy, it would make perfect sense. But as of the prequels, I mean, we know what Jango Fett looked like. We know, and 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 after Rebels too, like masks they come on and off all the time. So I don't see why they wouldn't. But maybe to a, I don't know. Well, actually, here's the quote. Um, I think this is Favreau talking. Uh, he says, "What's remarkable is when you see the whole stretch of the first season, how engaging the character is." It's amazing how many Star Wars characters are emotionally engaging that aren't even anthropomorphic. R2-D2 is my favorite character, and he barely has an eye. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a lot of footage to shoot with him just has, having a mask on. Um, you'll never see him drink or eat, that's for sure. <laughs> just get a straw. <laughs> Drop a line and let us know what you think about that. Um, the fact that you know he's not going to take his mask off for the whole, for the whole well, maybe not whole series, but at the very least, Season one. Yeah, for that and for anything in this episode or anything ever on the show, let us know. One of the major things I took from the article, too, uh, we talked a little bit about how this could have been a Boba Fett series instead. But Dave Filoni kind of made some comments saying that in Lucas's mind, he would say that Boba Fett isn't a Mandalorian because he's a clone that wasn't born or raised on Mandalore. Even, you know, Jango's Mandalorian status is a bit up in the air as it is. Boba's even more removed because um, he wasn't yeah. even like you know. I believe Jango was born on Concord Dawn, like the moon of Mandalore. So at least he has some kind of claim to it. Like whatever the Fett clan. Um, oh, is Concord Dawn yeah. part of Mandalore? Concord Dawn. I well, let me let me fetch myself here. I believe is the moon because I always because I always remembered, um, and that's in one of my original Star Wars encyclopedias, is that Boba Fett's homeworld was Concord Dawn. But this is, I mean, this this encyclopedia that I'm referring to predates. Uh, okay, no, yeah, Concordon was a planet in the system. 
uh, within Mandalore's sector. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the whole Fett lore is kind of tangled since, uh, like, with the change from Expanded Universe slash Legends to the new canon. Jango's from Concord Dawn. He's at least, you know, from the area. Um, you know, since the Clone Wars TV show, it's kind of been made out that he's not truly Mandalorian. But, I like, I've always thought that Mandalorians were kind of a grab bag of different cultures, right? Like, there are different cultures within mandalore so like you don't have to be born on the planet to be mandalorian like in the, in the same way that the like the sith from the old expanded universe lore were like the sith started out as a very specific race um, with red skin and other special features and right. over time they kind of like we see this in the in the Little republic books and the revan book specifically i'm thinking of because i just recently read that you know the sith expanded and you know for a while their true blood sith were still held in higher regard than um, than human Sith, but it became more of a title than the species name. I've always thought of Mandalorians as being kind of a similar thing, especially with the different clans. Like clans can have different, like like it's always been sort of a Game of Thrones house system within a certain sector of the Star Wars universe, as I've understood yeah. it. So, so one doesn't have to be you know born on Mandalore and raised in it, but you can still have those ideals and that fighting style and that armor and be considered Mandalorian if you've you know, earned your place in it somehow. And then uh, Favreau goes on to say that the title character is a Mandalorian, though. Um, so whoever he is, he is Mandalorian, like, by blood. Um, and I'm assuming by birth as well. That, yeah. that opens up a lot of interesting narrative threads, I thought. Well, I mean, the the title of the show, The Mandalorian, I mean... Well, I mean, like like I was saying about the cat, like, the, you know, earning your place as a Mandalorian, too. Like, I, I thought that was open to interpretation. Like, you know, this is a guy who is taking on the Mandalorian culture and honor system and everything um yeah like i like i could have seen it being someone you know picking up Boba Fett's armor so to speak and you know like how vanth does in the aftermath books and just stepping into that but uh this is this is confirmation from favreau that that's not the case and it actually is a mandalorian well, I'm looking, running around i'm <clears throat> excuse me i'm looking at something right now on uh on youtube which gives kind of a description of mandalore which is kind of neat um Grid location 0-7. Not sure what that means. Terrain. Jungle, seas, deserts. Length of day, 19 standard hours. Length of year, 366 standard days. Population, 4 million. Pretty small. Yeah, it would, it would almost seem that Mandalore would be uh, a planet that, uh, like a colony planet, as opposed to a planet that had anything evolved there. Species Just to go off on a tangent there, like I'm wondering what the average population of a what planets are like in Star Wars? Actually, come to think of it, yeah, it's 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 making me think the same thing. Species mix: eighty-one percent human. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, it looks like it's it's a page out of like an official Star Wars book. So I'm taking this as canon here. Uh, species mix: human, eighty-one percent; other, nineteen percent. How that works? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, languages: Mando's. Wait, Mandoa Basic. Interesting. Government clan leader, obviously we knew that. Major exports, starships, mercenaries. So they make starships on Mandalore. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, major imports, raw materials, star system, star Mandalore. I'm looking for something that says Concord Dawn here, but on this, this is just like a, a brief, you know, screenshot on a specific Star Wars video that I'm looking at. Yeah, so I well one of the one other thing that came out of, you know, this clear definition that it is a Mandalorian 
Um, that rules out any speculation that people might have had about it being Cobb Vanth, the character from the Aftermath novels, who um, through the epilogues, or through the interludes, sorry, picks up Boba Fett's armor on Tatooine and starts running around, um, basically being a, like a Wild West sheriff using his armor. Yeah, that was never really um, touched on again, which is extremely disappointing. Or hasn't been yet, anyways. I mean, they could still yeah. pick it up, especially if... You know, from the sounds of it, John Favreau wanted to do a Boba Fett series and was basically told by someone higher up um, in the organization that he couldn't do it, whether that was Favreau or the story group or something like whether they've got something in store or they just didn't want to touch on that again. Who knows? Well, they haven't um, come out with anything yet. <laughs> so maybe they're saving it for something else. I don't. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know what yeah. you save him for at this point. Like, if if not now, when? It was probably when they were still thinking about doing a Boba Fett movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think of timelines. Not you mentioned it. Like I, I think I don't know if that Kaibosh project would have been dusted since then, or maybe they're holding on to the whatever premise they had for that. You know, the Kenobi project came and went for years, right? Like it's it's been speculated since the Disney purchase. I think, like that he would come back to play Obi Wan at some point. Whether that was just people trying to wish it into reality, who knows how many times that project was shifted through different phases of pre-development um, and not only now is getting greenlit like so who knows what the status of, of of that Boba Fett movie is now it's probably been part of it's well I would have I would have originally thought that part of it might have been amalgamated into this Mandalorian series but as we've talked about in the last episode uh, Boba, Fett, Boba Fett will have no appearance here so I still say that's a caveat for the first season like I wouldn't be surprised if he turns up at some point but for the first season anyways it's not going to be him and they've actually, they actually mentioned in the, in the Entertainment Weekly uh, news that there aren't going to be any, any legacy characters, as, as they call them, showing up for anytime soon. I still like the idea that I originally had about, um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought about it, but remember how Solo ended? Yeah. With that reveal at the end with Darth Maul, the reveal. I, I always thought it would be really cool if the Mandalorian series, or at least season one, ended on a note like that. You don't know with that mysterious reveal at the very end of Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Like, I would love nothing more than to have that series end with, like, or to have the season end with, like, a stinger, like a post credit scene or something even. Or, like, that yeah, very yeah. last shot type of thing of, like, you know, he's done whatever he's doing in this season, and then his door gets blasted in, and it's Boba Fett. <laughs> like, yeah, need to however talk. brief. <laughs> now, I, I, I will admit a bit of personal bias there. I really want to see our friend Daniel Logan back. Um, on screen again so. he was such a good guy like <laughs> what a cool dude um yeah and, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him uh, and like be able to like he, get off like the comic con circuit and back into film for oh for, for sure in, in, in this series and to play boba fett proper too like he's played him as a yeah. kid he's done the voice acting for the clone wars like we know he looks awesome in a boba fett suit they don't even need to make one for him in props he's got his own <laughs> on, he has his he? own which well, probably I think we I think we talked about this before. His Boba Fett armor probably looks better than the original armor that they used in the original trilogy. Oh, like compare the picture of him standing there in his armor compared to that picture of um, oh, whoever the actor is. I forget his name at the time at the moment. Sorry, uh, but whoever he is standing there between shots with his mat with with the helmet off and he's just got like the I don't know what you call it, but like the thermal lining underneath, and he's just standing there talking Jeremy, to like the the aliens. Jeremy Bullock. I feel like it was someone different in Jedi. I could be wrong. Um, I think he played him in all in in both films. 
Let me check. Because there's someone at uh, like a local con that was like Boba Fett, and Jerry Bullock isn't doing cons anymore. Yeah, he uh, he retired from the, like the circuit like a year or two ago. Pretty cool though to think that you know you get the you get the chance to appear in two films, one line of dialogue that was a, that ended up being hijacked by <laughs> Tamara Morrison, essentially. <laughs> but um, very little screen time and. But you become this iconic character to such an extent that you can literally make a career off traveling to comic cons and selling autographs. It's it's a pretty amazing world of fandom that we live in. Oh, like what a time. Yeah, for them. The live action portrayals have been Jeremy Bullock was episodes five and six. John Morton was one scene in episode five. Okay. Someone named Mark Austin was him in the 97 special edition. So someone actually got in that suit and winked at the camera okay that was uh, a terrible move <laughs> uh two guys named don bees don buys and nelson hall did some of his scenes in episode six special edition and then of course daniel logan but he wasn't um you know adult in the armor yeah but these, these all these special edition things they, they don't count i mean for from as far as i'm concerned the special editions were i don't know they were about 25 percent worthwhile and 75 percent of the stuff that they included in the special editions was either not necessary or just gratuitous like, i think I we just... mentioned before too how we uh, both agree that that uh, scene in in episode four where he's like and i'm boba fett just like the little wink and nod to the camera was just gratuitous. that was absolutely ridiculous um that that was yeah that, that was that was absolutely terrible and the uh the absolute worst decision I think of all time in film was punch. I mean, Greedo shooting first. I still have a hard time. That's not yeah. canon to me. This old bugbear <laughs> again, yeah. <laughs> not to me. Um, actually, just one last thing on Boba Fett, just totally unrelated, but there is a new Funko Pop of him, and it is the animated special version, like his very first appearance, like with that very specific, oh, really? with a very specific uh, color scheme. Um, and he's got that oh. like weird staff thing that he uses to like poke his own like beast of burden while he's writing it. It's oh, one of the, cool! It's one of the coolest like obscure Funko Pops I've seen, so I had to snatch it up. Yeah, and no, like I feel like a uh, Boba Fett at times is is a really overrated character because he doesn't really do much. I mean, we've talked a bit about you know how these overrated or how these uh, characters with with minimal roles but cool outfits have a huge impact in the community. But like I, I like I go back and forth with him. Like I used to love parts of the expanded universe that were about him because they did really cool things with him after Return of the Jedi. Um, like specifically, even into like the New Jedi Order and even beyond that. Like I've heard stories, or I, I, I've read summaries of stories in the Legacy of the Force series where he's working with Jaina Solo. Like uh, just cool. It's such a cool trajectory for this guy who was a clone from the Clone Wars going on and playing a role still 30 to 40 years after the empire there's some really cool stuff there and then you know once he was wiped off a slate with the new canon like i don't really need more boba fett but at the same time i feel like i've come back around on him again since meeting daniel last year and i'm like yeah "Yeah, give me more boba fett like i'm drawn to this character again i think the original fascination with boba fett was the armor it just it was such a cool design I mean, like we talked about, he didn't really say anything. He had no presence before that scene with as Alec you wish. Hunters. That's it. Well, you know, he's 
you know, what if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. That and As You Wish are his only lines of dialogue <laughs> in The Empire Strikes Back. I think it was the armor that struck people as so unique and so mysterious. You know, who is this guy? I think that's what uh, grabbed the um, grabbed the attention of, you know, original fans of this series. Yeah, and like actually, JP, our friend of the friend of the show who cosplays as Boba Fett at, re- at local events, he uh, was telling me at Star Wars Day, like in our live episode from a few months back, that you know he had the exact same experience, right? Like you, you see him in these stills and whatnot before the movie comes out, and you go, "Who's this guy?" Boba Fett's helmet is very reminiscent of, um, you know, a medieval um, knight's helmet. Yeah, it, it fits right in, like the, that T visor. Yeah, it's a very Middle Ages design. But maybe this is a topic better reserved for our villains panel. (laughs) Well, I guess it's a good time to uh, pause for a break. Um, Word from our sponsor and a tune from the Cantina Band. Do you have a vision for a cosplay prop, novelty item, or other project, but don't know how to make it without breaking the bank? Nerdful Things has you covered. Ontario's 3D printing experts are committed to quality and affordability. They can forge everything from convention-friendly prop weapons to masks and helmets to small embellishments like belt buckles or pauldrons. You might even find a unique nerdy gift for friends. Check out their gallery and request a quote at www.nerdfulthings3d.com. All right. Um, Another big thing from the Mandalorian Entertainment Weekly article... And I want to preface this with uh, saying it's a bit of a, I feel it's a bit of a clickbaity article title, but there's a couple articles coming uh, that came out around this article saying uh, the Mandalorian is going to explore the origins of the First Order. I don't uh, know how it can't. Well, this is a thing, right? Um, like that sounds kind of clickbaity if you're not, you know, at all up to date with canon, right? Like, like you and I have read certain books at least and... We kind of have a more of an understanding of where the first order came from compared to people who would just watch the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in in the aftermath trilogy, which we highly recommend, um, by the end of it, it's no spoiler to say this. I think that the the empire is shattered to the winds, um, and they go in a couple different directions from the sounds of it. Like throughout the whole trilogy, they're trying to unite again, and they can't decide who's going to to lead them. Yeah. Um, so we have the character of Giancarlo Esposito or the character played by Giancarlo Esposito, his name is Moff Gideon. Um, and you see him in the trailers with them, with an Imperial faction. Like there are death troopers, like we were saying last episode, there yeah. are like, there's like, there were recently killed stormtroopers on spikes. Great. What a great scene. So like to say that it'll explore the origins of the first order makes it sound like they're going to spend episodes, like laying out how this all connects back to Hux or like the Hux's father or to, to Snoke or whatever. But it's, just by association, like you have Imperials in this corner of the galaxy that the Mandalorian is in. By extension, it's going to touch back on how you know, these Imperial remnants turned into the First Order thirty years later. Uh, Filoni's quote I don't actually know how says, you, can, uh, you, "You can't really avoid that, though. I mean, you, I mean, just through the telling of the story happening so soon after Return of the Jedi, you know, less than a decade, it's going to have to be." Uh, touched on in fact one of the one of the uh, youtube videos that i watched it was kind of like all the just trying to find easter eggs i don't the one character who is the voice of i can't remember the actor who's playing him the older actor um who voices the line 
bounty hunting is a dangerous profession. Um, there's a screenshot of him, and he's wearing a medallion, uh, a gold medallion around his his like around his neck that hangs on his chest, and it's a large, you know, bronze, bronzish maybe brass bronze kind of medallion and it clearly has the symbol for the empire on it so that leads me to believe that he is or himself as a remnant of the empire like he had all these stormtroopers around him um that seemed uh, kind of uh, i don't know de facto bodyguards i guess it seems that to me that he would have been a fairly uh, a fairly powerful imperial at one point you know, so I don't, I mean, that makes sense to me, that it would explore the origins of the First Order um, as to how some of these people um, came to power. You know, I, I think in the last episode we recorded, I kind of made the the analogy to kind of like the when the Soviet Union fell, you had all these people that were, you know, deep within the government of the Soviet Union during the Cold War, like KGB agents that had all this you know, they had all these, these underworld contacts and, um, and, uh, relationships with, with people in the community and, and around the world. And when the Soviet Union fell, I mean, they took those relationships and turned them to their advantage, you know, mm -hmm. and became, you know, privateers, crime bosses, you know, spies, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So it makes perfect sense that the show, uh, based on what we've seen in the trailer and the time period that the show was taking place in, as far as canon goes, that uh, that they would uh, certainly explore the origins of the First Order, which is cool. It's going to give us more information. Well, actually, like that story reminded me of another one I heard of, of, of a Japanese soldier in World War II who was stationed on one of the islands in the South Pacific. Uh, he was given you know an instruction never to surrender or whatever, and he was on that island for... I forget how long, but for decades afterwards, and messengers tried to, you know, find him and let him know, and he wouldn't believe anybody. And they were just like dropping pamphlets on the island saying the war was over, and he thought it was all just propaganda and like a like an attempt to like to betray him and all this stuff. Like, and, and that's just in our worlds. Imagine, imagine the scale of the Star Wars galaxy. Like, you could easily have entire factions, entire armies you know like stationed on some backwater planet somewhere like light years removed from coruscant and, and all the fighting that would you know not necessarily get the message that hey your boss is gone oh yeah i mean the scale that we're talking about like galactic scale like i mean yeah just like you said we're, i mean we're, me and you were talking about examples on a global scale you think about things that go you know, galaxy wide. Exactly, you're exactly right. Some it could be seven years later, and some of these people might not realize that their their order has collapsed and a new one has sprung up. You know. Yeah, actually, uh, Filoni puts it pretty well in the article. He says, "This doesn't turn into a good guy universe because you blew up two Death Stars." That uh, makes sense. Like you get that the rebels won and they're trying to establish a republic, but there's no way they could have set in motion. But there's no way that could have set in for everybody all at once. You have in a Western you where you're out on the frontier, and there might be Washington, and they might have some marshals, but sometimes, good luck finding one. You can't even do that on a global scale. Yeah. You know, like, look what happened. I mean, at the end of, <laughs> like, <clears throat> if anybody knows the history of World War One and World War Two, you know, when these wars were reached their, the point of surrender by one side, 
things didn't necessarily just get better everywhere. It's like like when like when slavery was abolished in the you know in the 1800s. It's not like the day after slavery was abolished that everything was just great and everybody loved each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge things social. Things don't things system. don't happen like that. I mean, there's st- there's 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 still to this. Unfortunately, there's still today in our own culture, you know, old hatreds. Um, going back to that, which is a shame, but it's true. You know what I mean. Yeah. So to, to think of something like that on a on a global scale, um, multiply sorry, it by to think a thousand, of something yeah. like that on a yeah on a galactic scale. If you're gonna take that kind of you know the fall of this empire, it it, it would take. It probably, I mean, if you think about it, it would probably take hundreds of years to, uh, and probably not even then, for, for, for things to, for the water, for the ripples in the water to subside, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, with your slavery example, it was abolished, but, you know, you have this rippling effect, you know, that you know, they t- turned into white privilege and like a systemic way of keeping an entire race of people down. Um, oh, exactly. It, yeah, like, it, 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 it ripples out beyond yeah. the country where it started. Like, you know, you can see even some um, some impact of that here in Canada based off of America abolishing the slave trade. Like, it's yeah. it's not just a snap your fingers and it's all gone. It just changes form. Like, like you can't... Yeah. What's the Newtonian law? Like, uh, energy cannot be lost, just reconverted. That's exactly. such a horrible butchering. <laughs> Apologies it, it, to the science-minded people in the audience. I'm, I'm an English major, but... Um, yeah. yeah, like you just reassign that energy. It's like nuclear fallout, right? Like it, just, it doesn't just stop being radioactive. It takes half-lives to, to wear down. Yeah. Um, so maybe they'll explore something like that in a, in a meaningful way here in the Mandalorian. And what a place to do it too, right? Like with, with the with the outlaw sort of perspective of the show. Absolutely. It, it definitely looks very, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it definitely looks very Wild West. Um ish i mean they they hinted at that in the prequels as well um like uh i've recently re rewatched the prequels and um one thing that stuck out to me was um kind of based on what i was just saying um when anakin was a child uh yeah. talking talking to padme the republic had anti-slavery laws and anakin's mother was the, the republic doesn't exist out here <laughs> you know like this isn't you're beyond rome here like this is we're so far with such a backwater planet nobody cares about what happens out here nobody cares about us we don't yeah. have any it, it would be like a country that doesn't have any exports like there's no money to be made there so why do we care about the people there which unfortunately is the way a lot of government works today you know and and this is a fantasy government that has a very powerful and a very effective um department at it, like at its beck and call that can that can do something about it and even Qui-Gon is there he sees it firsthand and the best he can do is cheat one slave away yeah he can't even try to get the two of them away um actually Esposito himself to come back to um Moff Gideon uh he says of his character he's an imperial remnant of a very fine officer who then switches to become sort of the guardian of the people um but what does Moff Gideon really want this guy is going to be a big player because he has an idea of how to keep order um, so it sounds yeah. like we're getting getting into uh, sort of lost lost stars, shades of gray with uh, with imperial people. Like, you know, obviously they're a horrible regime headed by a horrible person, but that doesn't mean they can't bring some sort of good through their villainy. And I hate to say it that way, but 
that's not a really good way to express it, but you know, there is an order that the empire brought that would have kept certain populations, obviously not everybody, um, in line and prosperous. Um, so there is room for him to see himself at least as the sort of white knight protecting the people. Just because somebody had a uh, position in the empire doesn't necessarily mean that they were evil. You know, I'm I'm sure that there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of instances in history where people were a part of a whether it was a party or an army or a nation that we would consider our enemy that were not necessarily bad people. You know, they were just uh, born at the wrong place in the wrong time. You know, yeah, there's been a lot of examples of that in the new canon, even like. Like I mentioned, Lost Stars, a huge example of that um, character of thinking, or Sienna, Sienna, one of the main leads, thinking that she's doing what's right because it's it follows the honor system of her people on her certain backwater planet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a character on Resistance who says, "Well, my grandfather was in worked for the Empire in a factory. Like, was he a bad person?" There's a really, really interesting and rich gray space here, and I think the Mandalorian's definitely going to play into that. And, of course, one of the things I'm looking forward to, maybe not most of all, but <laughs> it's high on my list, is uh, Taika Watiti's character of IG-11. It sounds, it sounds like he's kind of reprising the role of Korg from the Thor movies, in a way. Yeah. But that's probably just because it's, from what I, I haven't seen a lot of Taika's work, but it sounds like it's just him and his personal humor. So he says, uh, he says of IG-11, he's a very, or it's a very innocent and naive and direct and doesn't know about sarcasm and doesn't know how to lie it's like a child with a yeah. gun <laughs> wow just looking at youtube right now and um there's a bit here uh, uh bill burr on filming in the mandalorian because bill burr is my favorite comedian well maybe my second <laughs> i got a few i got a few favorites but bill burr is one of my favorite stand-up comics and um it's funny because he's done jokes <laughs> he's done jokes in the past on <clears throat> Comic Con, and <laughs> how he just never got into things like Star Wars and stuff like that, and then he ends up being in The Mandalorian. Uh, I don't know how big a part he has in it, but he's in it. I feel like it's um, gonna be pretty small. Oh, I think it'll be really small, but it'll be really interesting to see that because uh... <laughs> probably gets blasted. <laughs> uh, probably, probably, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see probably talk smack about his armor and gets blown through a wall <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know though the one little scene that i saw was you know he's got <laughs> quite an armament around him and he's blowing a lot of stuff up but yeah well we're not far off now too because uh we're about two months out now from from the launch of it so or yeah. from the first episode anyways because it will be releasing weekly sorry yeah will it yep yeah. <sighs> boo yeah, even even Netflix is starting to move that way now too. Like they've said recently in the past couple of weeks, you know they're moving more towards that model. So I think they're gonna. I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake. I, I don't think people want that. I think one of the reasons that people got on board with Netflix was because they could watch as many episodes as they wanted. They could watch two in the first night, and they could watch three the next, or they could binge the whole thing. Like that's you know the the reason that people. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a huge mistake. It's probably uh, the safest way to do it, right? Like, because season three of Stranger Things, right? Like, there are people who have the time 
and the <laughs> the energy to sit through an entire season of eight or ten episodes in one or but two what's goes, the difference right? and, but what's the difference if you don't but, have time to watch the whole thing then you can watch one episode a week if you want to i don't see i, I really don't see the difference and i know that people have come in people have have raised the argument that uh well, you know, if if you, people can binge watch the whole thing, then they watch the whole series in like three or four days, or the whole, say, season in three or four days, and then they forget about it. I'm like, even if the series was 15 episodes long, so that's 15 weeks, you still have another, you still got another 35 weeks that you'd have to wait for the next one anyway. So what's the difference? You know, I... I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think one of the smartest things that these streaming services ever presented was the fact that they released the whole series. I, honestly, I think releasing it one week at a time is like, is there going to be advertising on this on on this network? Because I that should almost really sucks. hope not. If you're paying for a service, you shouldn't be getting advertising on yeah. it. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, with these I business don't. Models. It doesn't make sense to me. It, I, I don't get it. Like, and, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure from a corporate standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Because um, uh, well, f- f- think about it. Like, like we were talking about before the air, you were saying how much you were enjoying Amazon Prime. And you've got, um, well, obviously Disney Plus launching soon. Um, every network basically is starting their own version of streaming services. Like CBS has already been at it for two years now, I think. Um, yeah. they've got to be in full on panic mode because Disney Plus is gunning for them. So, yeah, it must, it must be the safest bet for them to do it. I have a lot of. I, I'm kind of on the same boat too. I have a lot of friends that you know when series come out like that for years and years and years, whether it was Game of Thrones or Carnival or any great series that came out. Um, people that would be like, yeah, forget it. I'm not. I, I'm not going to wait every Friday at eight o'clock. <laughs> you know what I mean to watch. Uh, to watch the series, I'll just wait till it's all out, and then I'll just watch the whole thing straight. You know, yeah, they're probably they're aiming for that water cooler effect, right? Like that. Oh, and that's, see this yeah, episode. And like, give each t- episode time to breathe. The problem is for me anyway. I always I've forgotten half of the the details of an episode by the time the next one comes out, and that's that's not what I like. I like to. I like to be able to watch things at my leisure. I'll, well, I'll never be a fan of that. I think that's one of the biggest things that the internet has provided us with is the ability to to watch things at our own leisure as opposed to when a network decides we can see it. It's like, if you're going to put something out, put it out. Yeah, that's just, I'll never be on board with that. I think well, by, the, by the same token, like it, like it gave us that method, but it also gave us a big threat to it in that social media tends to get people spoiled on things. Someone on my Facebook feed said, "Oh, watching season three of Stranger Things," and then like two hours later, the next status was, "Okay, stop spoiling things. I just started watching. Like, what's wrong with you people?" <laughs> I kind of get that. I, I don't know. I'm just... This, this <laughs> is this say... is why when, when wanna... Game of Thrones came out, like I would I would shut down everything until I'd seen the episode, just detach for a while. But yeah, because you're gonna get spoilers anyway. Like I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we could go on about this forever. <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely hate the weekly. That that's that that's the streaming services did a, a great thing, especially Netflix, getting away from that weekly, that weekly thing. I think it's a, I don't know. I I hate it. I don't want to have to wait every week to. How many episodes are there going to be anyway? Do we know this? I want to say it's eight. I think I think it's been confirmed to be eight. Don't. That's that's about standard that. for a pilot series, yeah. For a pilot series, that or for a, you know a new series, anyway. And with streaming in general too, I think that's kind of becoming the norm. Like I believe, 
Oh, I'm it is. So it is. I, I, I'm, well, I've only watched the first season of Stranger Things, but I think every season of that has been about eight episodes anyways. The, uh, the series that I was just talking to you about before we started recording, that uh, The Boys, mm-hmm. uh, that, that really adult kind of Watchmen-esque series from Amazon, um, Allie and I watched that. I think we watched the first night we sat down. I think we watched four episodes. It was just suck us right in. And then over the next week or two, we watched the other four. Uh, again, eight episodes, right? So, I'm not yeah, sure why that's that the magic good. number. but It probably has something to do with market research, I'm sure. Because HBO, when they started kind of pulling the market a certain way with the likes of Rome and whatnot, and even Game of Thrones, like their magic number was 10. Game of Thrones was 10. Um Rome was because that's like that's like that's the first main art like HBO show I ever watched was those two seasons of Rome and each of them was ten episodes. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy was thirteen. Yeah, around there. Well, actually, speaking of Disney Plus, um, the launch is two months out, but it's already live in the Netherlands. Um, so I'm kind of wishing I was more Dutch than I am. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, it launched in, in in the Netherlands this week. Um, so obviously, none of the exclusive new content is on there. Um, that's still being held back until November. But I'm I'm guessing they use this as a sort of a soft launch to test uh, test the waters out and see if people engage with it. Because um, it'll it'll be launching on November 12th for uh, the U.S., Canada, and and it was supposed to be the launch date for the ne- the Netherlands as well. But it's, well, I wonder uh, what's on there now. Well, people have been rolling out. Um, you know, screenshots and whatnot for the people who live in in the Netherlands. And there's two uh, two users actually that I know on on Twitter, uh, Kello Ren and Boxerless Bosk, who uh, have been okay. tweeting screenshots. And uh, so the one I'm looking at is one I actually posted on the Facebook page and the Instagram a couple couple days ago. Um, it looks very similar to the Netflix style. Obviously, you can't really beat that in terms of a user interface. I feel. I was gonna say like I don't know how Amazon Prime is yet. You'd, you'd have to fill me in on that one, but it's identical. It's the same. It's the same idea. Yeah. So like this in this screenshot, like the first category, and this is all just Star Wars stuff. The first category is the journey to Episode Nine, and you've got the prequels. You've got Soul. You got Rogue One, and then you can kind of see off screen a New Hope. So that's yeah. clearly them laying out. Okay, here's all the Star Wars movies. Even even with those kinds of headers that you would see on Netflix. Um, yeah. Below that is Star Wars series, so you've got uh, Clone Wars, next to that, Rebels, uh, then Lego Star Wars, the Freemaker Adventures, I haven't watched those, I've, I've heard they're good for younger kids. Next to that is Star Wars Resistance, which I highly recommend when people uh, <laughs> get Disney+, Plus. check this show out. We only get one more season of it, unfortunately, so um, there's some good stuff on there, check it out. And next to that is Lego All-Stars, which was in some more Lego shorts. Um, and then below that again, you get Star Wars shorts, some more Lego stuff, another Lego thing. Yeah, three different Lego shows, and then Star Wars Rebels, and the Force and Destiny. Um, Force, yeah. So the Forces of Destiny shorts that they did um, for YouTube that are on there as well. Okay. Um, and then there's some other stuff, but I can't really see what it is because it's cut off. But it's more of the same. But you know, they, here there's a whole page full of just Star Wars content. You know the films, the important, the important uh, canon-related series, and then even some of the obscure stuff they've done for kids, all in one yeah. place. But yeah, okay. so lots, lots to keep us occupied with, just Star Wars-wise. Once the platform launches, they've been finding, yeah. they've been finding some really obscure stuff too, like '90s cartoons. 
um, like their like legendary afternoon cartoon block they used to have when I was a kid of you know Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and uh, what was the fourth one? It's all on there, like Gargoyles, this cartoon from the '90s. It's on there. Everyone kind of forgot that Disney owned it. I think. Um, so I'm interested Gargoyles to see what other kind cool of cartoon. like deep cut stuff is on there, like the '90s X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons. Wow, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Wait, so actually, look at the calendar. Um, if they do one episode a week, so November 12th, one, two, it'll go right up to Force Awakens. What it'll do? Three or uh, episode nine. If they release it like one episode a week, they'll be up to episode six when Rise of Skywalker comes out. And then oh, that puts it. the huh. seventh episode on the twenty fourth, like Christmas Eve, and then the last episode on the thirty first. So maybe they'll tweak yeah. it. Maybe they'll put a couple out at first just to get people hooked on it, and then release the rest up up until Rise of Skywalker comes out. It's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what they do. So is that official now that it will be a weekly? Yeah, like I, I like ninety nine percent sure they said everything new. Series wise, will be weekly. Hmm. So that includes, you know, the Marvel stuff and Obi Wan and anything else that you be on that. Yeah, I wish I could say I was happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've altered the deal, so. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's gonna do us for today. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please like and tell a friend. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher wherever else podcasts are free with new episodes every third Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice. So you never miss a new discussion. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the star Wars universe. Drop us a line on Twitter at Kyber club or on Facebook and Instagram at quarter portion podcast. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer it on the air. You can find me on Twitter at Django Fletch and on YouTube at wilderness wisdom and soon to come, you'll be able to find me on YouTube at the Balefire Podcast, as well as the soon-to-be-launched Kyber Club. We continue to expand, um, including our new uh, second show, which you'll find in rotation on our podcast feed with the main show, uh, the second show, Ashes of the Order, our uh, actual play, role-play podcast. It's such a clumsy way of saying it, but... <laughs> Basically, it it's a it's an audio audio drama with dice rolls, and we're basically making our own Star Wars. So check us out there every other third Friday, uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at Hugathy. And join us uh, October fifth and sixth at London Comic Con. Maybe one with the Force. And may the Force be with you. The Quarter Portion Podcast is sponsored by Heroes Comics, Southwestern Ontario's largest comic book and collectible store, located in the heart of downtown London at one eighty six Dundas Street. Heroes specializes in new and vintage comics, along with action figures, statues, and collectibles of all types. Whether you're looking for Star Wars comics and toys, or the latest graphic novels, manga, and trade paperbacks, Heroes has something for fans of all stripes. For more information, visit heroescomics.ca.